Well, I wondered this week, what do you do with a text that would seem more at home at a coffee house than in the house of the Lord? What do you do with a text that is more like poetry than the word of God? I thought this week of a painting or a sculpture that we might refer to as modern art because the lines are not clearly drawn. It's not easily It's not easy to decipher exactly what the image is, and maybe most of the definition of the image belongs to the hearer, to the observer. And so would you observe with me the word of God that some would say was the informing art of the first century. From the sixth chapter of Revelation, I watched as the Lamb opened the first of the seven seals. Then I heard one of the four living creatures say in a voice like thunder, come. I looked and there before me was a white horse. Its rider held a bow and he was given a crown and he rode out as a conqueror bent on conquest. When the lamb opened the second seal, I heard the second living creature say, come. Then another horse came out, a fiery red one. Its rider was given power to take peace from the earth and to make people kill each other. To him was given a large sword. When the lamb opened the third seal, I heard the third living creature say, Come. I looked, and there before me was a black horse. Its rider was holding a pair of scales in his hand. Then I heard what sounded like a voice among the four living creatures saying, Two pounds of wheat for a day's wages and six pounds of barley for a day's wages and do not damage the oil and the wine. When the lamb opened the fourth seal, I heard the voice of the fourth living creature say, come. I looked and there before me was a pale horse. Its rider was named Death and Hades was following close behind him. They were given power over a fourth of the earth to kill by sword, famine and plague and by the wild beasts of the earth. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. You may be seated. One of the things that we know about the emperors of the ancient world, the Roman emperors, was that they were very interested in their own heritage, in their own lineage, in their divine lineage, in tracing their lineage to God. Domitian was probably the emperor when Revelation was written. And what we know about Domitian was that he would go from town to town and hold an event that he called an advent, a coming out of sorts for a god. The advent always followed a predictable pattern as he went from town to town in the empire. He would be uh, preceded by 24 officials that were called elders. And this procession would go to the stadium of the town. And when they reached the stadium, a herald would proclaim, Town, I know this about you. And town, I have this against you. And then those in the town would say to Emperor Domitian, You are the King of Kings. You are the Lord of Lords. You are the divine one. And Domitian would make a speech. And to get to the speech, he would have to break a seal on a scroll. And part of the seal would be to open 
uh, to declare open the Advent Games. And the athletes would process by in front of Domitian's throne where they would say, We run for your glory. We do all of this for your glory. And then as the games were open, the first game, the first event was always the same. Can you guess what it was? A horse race. There were always four horses, four chariots, and the colors of the horses were always the same. There was a white horse, a red horse, a black horse, a green horse. Won't you come with me this morning to the races? In the lead, the white horse. Some would say in Revelation chapter 6, the white horse is a symbol of the Messiah. That the white horse is the Christ figure. And that is because in chapter 19 of Revelation, there is a figure that is very clearly the Christ. He is referred to as true, as just. He wears a robe that is dipped in blood. His name is called the Word of God. In chapter 19 of Revelation, this individual on the white horse is clearly the Messiah, clearly Christ. But I'm not sure, after studying this week, that I buy that the author of Revelation is really consistent with his images, with his characters. So I don't think that the white horse in the sixth chapter of Revelation is Jesus. I look back to the Old Testament, to Zechariah, and in the sixth chapter of Zechariah we find four horses, four horsemen, four horsemen that go out in Zechariah. There is a white horse, there is a red horse, a black horse, and a pale horse, a gray horse. Those are our colors. And yet I think John changes the function of the horses in Zechariah to fit his purposes. The white horseman carries a bow. He is a conqueror bent on conquest. What we know about the first century Romans is that they had a feared foe in the Parthians. And the Parthians were skilled archers into battle. They carried on their horses their bows. And so I suspect that this white horseman is a symbol of the enemy of the Romans. The white horse is closely followed uh, by the red horse, and the, to the red horseman is given the power to take peace, to make men kill one another. The red horseman carries a sword. I believe that the red horseman is probably a symbol of bloodshed. And I think that when those who were friends of the Romans heard this particular scene, got to this particular part in the story, I believe they would tremble a bit. And I think that those who were enemies of the Romans, those in John's community, they might shake their fist in the air and they might say, you Romans, you're going to get what you deserve. You're going to get what's coming to you. All the conquest and the destruction that you brought to us is going to come back and bite you. The third horseman, the red horseman, is closely followed by the black horse. And the man, the horseman on the black horse, uh, carries a scales with him. And the living creature that summons the black horseman uh, cries out about a day's wage 
and the daily necessities that you can buy with a day's wage. It appears from what the living creature says about a day's wage that there is severe inflation. Uh, That you can only use a day's wage to buy basic necessities for one person. Once you buy those basic necessities for one person, you have nothing left over for your dependents and you have nothing left over for extras. I suspect that the black horseman is a symbol of hunger, is a symbol of uh, famine. Interesting to note the second part of verse 6 in chapter 6. The living creature cries out, but do not damage the wine or the oil. In the year 92, we know the emperor Domitian destroyed half of all the vineyards in his territory so that the vineyards that he owned in Italy would make the most money. I wonder if in this black horseman we can hear the message, even famine. Hunger, famine is not as dark as Emperor Domitian. That guy, that guy's bad. Well, bringing up the rear is uh, the pale horse or the gray horse or the pukey green colored horse. Uh, If you look at the front of your bulletin, you'll see that this is the horse that looks ghastly. He doesn't look good. Uh, This horse is uh, referred to, is named specifically in chapter 6 of Revelation as death. And he's followed by Hades. And so I think this horseman uh, clearly symbolizes uh, death. This horseman is given the ability to kill uh, with famine, with the sword, with plague, and with the wild beasts of the earth. It's like nothing is out of his reach. Uh, Anything he can use uh, to kill. And so as I've considered these four horsemen uh, this past week, I clearly see a a progression that things go from bad to worse. Uh, That there is first conquest, and then there is bloodshed, and then there is famine, and and then there is death. Uh, It is as though things go from bad to worse uh, to disastrous. And I wondered this week, as I considered this text, what is it that started this progression? Well, maybe it's my own appreciation for sarcasm and irony, but I suspect that the writer of Revelation had a specific target in mind in chapter 6 of Revelation, and I think that target was Domitian, was the emperor. I think that those in John's community... Uh, who were grounded in the Old Testament, would say, how dare he put himself up as God? How dare he put himself up as the king of kings, as God of gods, when we worship the one true king who is the son of the one true God? How ridiculous is it that our God, the Lamb, sits on the throne and day after day has to watch these advents, has to watch these processions, Uh, where the emperor puts himself up uh, uh, to have more power and prestige. And this power and prestige uh, led nothing but to death and destruction. So I think implicit in chapter 6 of of Revelation is a political commentary of the day. I, I think it's like a political cartoon, a jab at the emperor. But I also want you to know that I see in this text something for me. Because I see in myself a desire 
to take the crown from the Lamb. I see in myself a desire to wear that crown. Oh, I do it. I do it every day. Most days I plan out my schedule to the minute, so much so that there is no room for the Holy Spirit to lead and to guide me because I am important. Most every day I'll tell the people in my household, I'll command them what to do because I know what's best. I will very soon pick out pictures from this last year to put on a Christmas card that will, I'm sure, portray myself to be radiant and my children to be brilliant, which they are. (laughs) And when the road of life gets a bit rocky, when the terrain gets difficult, I often find myself worrying or anxious or stressed instead of, of trusting God to provide. Ann Voskamp writes that anything less And gratitude and trust is practical atheism. And I don't know that I would call myself an atheist, because I think I know one who can rule, and it's me. Well, this week I um, had the opportunity to work in the pumpkin patch on Thursday morning. And as I was working in the pumpkin patch about 10 o'clock, I looked across the back parking lot and I could see a single file line of munchkins coming across the parking lot. They were our kindergartners from Howard. And as they got closer to the pumpkin patch, I could tell that they had each been given a string. And they took their strings and they started measuring the pumpkins in the pumpkin patch. Uh, It was a a lesson in circumference, I suppose. They each had a string that was the same length. All their strings were the same, and they measured the pumpkins. They went from pumpkin to pumpkin all over the pumpkin patch. About 30 minutes later, the teacher came with a pumpkin, and she set it down on the table, and she said, we found one. It turns out that the exercise of the class was to find a pumpkin whose circumference was the same size as the teacher's. (laughs) I wonder, why is it that I think that the circumference of my heart can measure up to the circumference of the lamb? I just can't measure up. I can't measure up. It's not mine to wear the crown. I'm plenty capable It's not something that's required of me, not something that's necessary. Some of Paul's harshest words in the New Testament were reserved for the Galatians, where in chapter 3 of Galatians, he says, You stupid Galatians, no one is justified before God by their works, but the faithful are justified before God by their faith. You don't have to work. You just have to have faith. You don't have to measure up. You don't have to wear the crown. You just have to be faithful. In the 1800s, there was a a man named Charles Blondin who was a tightrope walker, and often he would set up his tightrope above Niagara Falls. Uh, He uh, was very successful tightrope walking. He could walk forward across the tightrope and backwards across the tightrope that was set over Niagara Falls. 
One time, he even got a bench, a stool, and he carried it with him out to the middle of the tightrope, and he set it down, and he ate his lunch. But maybe um, his most memorable trick was the time that he asked for a volunteer from the crowd. And there was a volunteer, and he carried that man successfully across the tightrope on his back. I wondered this week, what if the man on his back halfway across the tightrope, said, Charles, you could put me down here. I got it. Just set me down. I think things would have gone from bad to worse with disastrous results. Hey, that reminds me of some modern art that I once read.